This is all part of the legacy. We're going to show the world we're going to boycott the Olympics. That'll impress them. Impotent. Why don't we just go ahead and put your groin in a vice and just cut it off? What a useless individual. Hey, welcome to episode 39 of the Presequential Podcast, where we go from 1 to 45 in under 90 minutes and discuss the life, legacy, and little-known facts about every American president. I'm your host, Ryan Allward, joined as always by Blaine Zimmerman and our producer and vice presidential expert, Russ Livka. We're talking about Jimmy Carter today. Thank you to all of our patrons across the country who helped make this episode possible. Blaine, let's tell everybody about the book we read, what we're calling episode 39, and what we're drinking tonight in honor of Jimmy Carter. So this episode, uh, the book is called His Very Best, Jimmy Carter, A Life by Jonathan Alter. It was written in 2020 and is 670 pages. This episode, due to Jimmy Carter's very long life after his presidency, is called The Volunteer. The Volunteer. Oh, I like that. Due to his work with Habitat for Humanity. Yeah. This episode, in honor of Jimmy's brother, Billy, because I feel like he wouldn't Billy wouldn't want to go unmentioned. <laughs> and and Billy beer. We yeah. all have, have beer today. No specific kind. We just have beer. Yes. I have Miller Lite. You're drinking. Bud Light Lime yes. in honor of a special guest, my dad, L. Allward, who uh, we're going to be recording a bonus episode with. So if you want to hear that, you got to become a patron to do that. Yeah. And do you want to introduce yourself? It's that? wonderful to be with you guys and to enjoy a Bud Light Lime in good company. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Good to be with you. So before we get started. I have a personal story. So this weekend, I had an event at the track for work, and I'm I'm going to change names to save people because I haven't talked to them about this. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to change my name. By the uh, track, you mean the world famous Indianapolis Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Motor Speedway. Yeah. So I had an event. It was a work event. It was in the pagoda. It was in a suite at the track. And in the morning, someone had made an introduction to me of a, an individual that works at the track because. At my job, we had just finished this like long process of, of a partnership with Road to Indy, which is the minor leagues of IndyCar. I responded to the email and I was just like, hey, I know May's really busy for you. Let's connect in June. I know you've got a lot going on. So we just I left it at that. Did like 15, 20 more other emails and then went over to the track. Checked in. Uh, I said, Blaine Zimmerman. Lady kind of looks at me weird. Uh, she hands me my, my name placard. And didn't think a whole lot of it. And about two hours later, you know, I'm walking around networking, meeting with different people. And the same woman walks up and she's like, I'm really sorry. I hate to interrupt, but this is a crazy story and I have to share it with you. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and she's like, uh, you emailed, uh, we'll call him Joe. You emailed Joe this morning. And I was like, I don't remember who Joe is. I'm sorry. I sent a lot of emails this morning. And she was like, he does this thing at, at the track and told me what his job was. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, And at that point, I just kind of maybe assumed that she worked for him or something. So I said, it's fine. Like, we can connect. I know he's busy. We'll connect later. And she's like, no, no, no. I went to college with Joe. And when we were in college, uh, <laughs> he would create an alias for himself when he would go out to, like, the bars and the, the clubs. Like an alter ego? Yeah. Okay. A fake name, an assumed name. <laughs> That assumed name was Blaine Zimmerman. That's so weird. I was like, what? <laughs> and she said, yeah, uh, 15 minutes after you checked into this event, he took a screenshot of your email and he texted me and he said, hey, 
remember my alias in college? <laughs> Apparently there's a real guy named Blaine Zimmerman wow. who just emailed me. And wow. she said, I know he's here. <laughs> and he was like, no, he's not. And she said, no, I just checked him into this event. On top of that, I thought you were playing a practical joke and almost didn't like print his name tape off. Hmm. You almost didn't see, get in yeah. to enjoy the race. Yeah. And so she's like, so you got to take a picture with me. And I was like, my head's spinning at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's considerably older than me. So it's not like he would have heard my name somewhere yeah. and decided like, that's fire. Like he made it up. And so I was like, well, he has to take this meeting with me at some point because I have so many questions. <laughs> I'm still not entirely sure I've wrapped my head around it. Yeah. Like it's, that's a wild thing to just be told, especially when you're standing there talking to somebody about work. Sure. Just doing like a networking event and yeah. then that comes out of left field. I just, I felt like it needed to be shared. That was <laughs> the you're still, odds. You're still like, processing it. If you remember for our diehard fans of the, the yeah. episode or the show, uh, the Jeremy story. Oh yeah. The, the odds of this have to be monumentally greater there's, than the odds of There's Jeremy. so many different components of it. Like you had to be registering. She had to be the one that registered yeah. you yes. to know that you were even yes. there. Who comes up with a fake Blaine Zimmerman? Right. Well, you can even trace it back. They had to go to college together and then yeah. end up working at the same entity. You had to show and up. He, he had to be there. Me, he texted her right after. That's yeah. crazy. And if you had right. emailed the next day, you would have missed it entirely. Yep. And I think the thing that we're missing, he was incredulous. He didn't believe that she actually met me. <laughs> and I was like, that's not the crazy part here, man. That's <laughs> that not... you used my name yeah. without knowing me. Of yeah. all the names he could have picked and then combining them together. It's even right. more astronomical. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So it's crazy. So wow. anyway, Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter, yeah. What do you guys remember about Jimmy Carter from uh high school government class, social studies and the like? I know well, maybe not from social studies, but my dad would have always always said they never did anything and gas prices. Okay. Yeah. All right. He was a peanut farmer, right? He was a peanut, he was farmer. Farmer. peanut farmer. Peanuts? Yeah. yeah. Habitat yeah. for Humanity. Habitat for Humanity. Peanuts and Iran. And then I had a tie to him when I was at officer school. Okay. Because they almost pulled everybody's Christmas leave anticipating his death. This oh. was two and a half years ago. He's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, no, everybody's got to stay because we need people here. Was he sick? I don't think so. He was, he's just old. They were just thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, since he's so close to Fort Benning, they were like, well, his the memorial and stuff yeah. will be nearby or something. So yeah. we dodged a bullet. I ended up getting him to go home for Christmas. But I was real close to this guy being my least favorite president of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I, would have, I would have missed Christmas because of Jimmy Carter, and yeah. then he didn't die Yeah, after I'd been away from my family for four months. Yeah. That'd have been, I would have not been happy. <laughs> yeah, I didn't remember a ton about him either. He is a one-termer. We're going to talk about that. Let's dive in. Uh, first of all, let's get a little clink on the audio. Dad, <laughs> good to have you here. Thank you. And, not uh, satisfying. All right, here we go. James Earl Carter Jr. was born on October 1st, 1924. Shares a birthday with this guy. Yeah. Blaine Zimmerman, the real one. <laughs> the real Blaine Zimmerman. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, in the small town of Plains, Georgia, he was the first U.S. president to be from Georgia and the first to be born in a hospital uh, because his mom was a nurse. Yep. I knew that would get Russ. I yeah. knew that would get Russ. But it's in all caps in my notes. First American president born in a hospital. Yeah. You'd think, I mean, like, it took until 1924. Yeah. So uh, it, so everyone else was just born like at midwives, home. Yeah. Midwives. Home. Log cabin. Water birds. Middle, middle of a field in <laughs> <Just> Iowa. squatting. <laughs> just picking the kid back up. I would imagine that the, uh, Herbert Hoover was not born in a structure. Uh, yeah. Like just in a out manger. in the middle of a, like, <laughs> a manger. 
There's no room in the one room in house. Iowa, somewhere. In Iowa, middle of nowhere. His mom, Lillian, was a traveling nurse around the area, so she had access to the hospital. That's why he was born there. Uh, his dad, James Earl Carter Sr., was a farmer and businessman. He ran a general store. Lillian and James eventually had three more children, Gloria, Ruth, and Billy, who I'm sure we'll be talking about later. <laughs> I, I was actually like wondering if Russ was going to scrap Vice President and just talk about Billy Beer. You've Billy been talking Carter. about yeah. Billy Carter since like... Andrew Johnson. Yeah. I, mean, I think we have been talking we, about Billy Carter. We, yeah. At one point in his childhood, his dad, uh, who was a strict disciplinarian, yep. took Jimmy with him when he was going to cheat on his wife. Oh. Because uh, she was a traveling nurse. Uh, well, that's not why. He, he cheated on her because he's a scumbag. But the <laughs> <laughs> So in order to you know complete the act without his son knowing, he sent Jimmy off to go buy a turkey. Oh, oh I do remember this from yeah. the book. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we should say the cover is really cool of this it book, is. by the yeah. way. Yeah, it's very Andy Warhol. It's a long read, especially for a one-termer, 670 pages, but it was a good read. It reminds me of David Bowie. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go look up his very best about Jimmy Carter, and you'll see what we're talking about. Uh, 1928, and this actually might have been before the note that you just said, Blank. Go ahead. Well, real quick, he yeah. did share a great-grandfather with Barry Gordy, who was... Do you know Barry Gordy? Sure, Motown. Yeah, he was yeah. the founder of Motown Records. Really? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Do you Shared have any a great Barry Gordy facts? Oh, I'm a Motown fan. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just ask Ryan about that. <laughs> so his dad buys a 350-acre farm in the nearby town of Archery. The family moves there in 28, and Archery was populated almost entirely by impoverished black families. And while most of the rural South was devastated by the Depression, the Carter family's farms prospered because of FDR's New Deal farm subsidies, uh, eventually employing over 200 workers. Big readers. They read yeah. like all the time. Yeah, they loved Like while eating dinner. Mm-hmm. They would all just be sitting around eating. So Yeah. The dynamic between his two parents was interesting because his father was a very staunch white supremacist and his mother was very progressive, took him to black churches. She also would go and do house calls and help black pregnant women deliver babies. So, I mean, there was, especially around this time, and gosh, what was this, late 20s, early 30s. So she was defying the norm of the day. As he grew up, he was a pretty enterprising young guy. He was given his own acre of his dad's farm, and uh, he grew packaged and sold peanuts as a young teenager, and he also rented out a section of tenant housing that he had purchased. So already he's pretty industrious uh, as a kid. In high school, he played basketball. He was a member of the Future Farmers of America. Uh, Blue Jackets. Huh? The Blue Jackets. Blue Jackets, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh If you're from Indianapolis, you're familiar, because they have the FFA convention downtown every year. Yeah, they do. Scores of high school students in their blue jackets walking all over the place. Good usage of scores. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, in 41, he graduated from the all-white Plains High School, despite being... <laughs> Stay true to its name. Yeah. It's very plain. plain. Yeah, the fighting vanillas. Um, <laughs> despite being raised in this segregated environment, Carter would later really, recall... I guarantee you the Plains High School mascot was an Indian. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. <laughs> They were like the plain savages. I promise you, I you you know that is true. Like <laughs> he did actually have a lot of close friendships with young black students who literally lived across the tracks. In forty one, he studied engineering at Georgia Southwestern College nearby, but he transferred to the Georgia Institute of Technology in Atlanta in forty two, and then it's in forty 40- Georgia Tech now. Yeah, Yellow Jackets, oh, yeah. Uh, ACC, right, Dad. Yep. Yeah, the Yellow Jackets. Yeah, they're not good at anything. Nope. 
cool they run logo. the option though. They have a cool logo though. Yeah, it's a B. Yeah, it's a giant. Yeah, a they run the option though, so they do play well against West Point or Annapolis. Yeah, it was his dream to attend the Naval Academy, which he did in '43. He was admitted, and he graduated in the top ten percent of his class in '46 and obtained his commission as an ensign. Yes, Blaine. A couple things ran cross country at Navy. Oh, you're right. He did. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Uh-huh. We have a, a naval seaman with us today. Yes. Mm-hmm. What's your ties to Annapolis? I'm sure you have plenty. Well, they're distant, but I, I can certainly contribute an occasional Navy store if you need one. Uh, we, yeah. we will. There's a submarine cross-country road trip I need to hear about at some point mm-hmm. when we talk about his yeah. submarine adventures. Uh-huh. Yeah. Class of 47, similar to Eisenhower's The Class the Stars Fell On. Yes. And it's what the most that? accomplished Annapolis class in history. 34 admirals, one president, and a Nobel Peace Prize winner. That was also the president? Yeah, yeah, what, yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. it sounds the better overlap. if you separate yeah, exactly. them. Exactly. <laughs> it's not one Nobel Prize peace-winning president, but yeah, split it up. When he was there at the Naval Academy, he fell in love with his sister Ruth's friend, Rosalind. He <laughs> 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 fell in love with his sister Ruth's friend, Rosalind Smith, whom he had known since childhood. They married on July 7th, 1946. They moved to Norfolk, Virginia, and would go on to have four kids, Amy, Jack, Donald, and James Earl Carter III. They went from Norfolk all over. They traveled a lot throughout his uh, brief naval career. Hawaii, Connecticut, California, New York. From 46 to 48, his duty included tours aboard was the battle. Was it in that order? I think it was just, I, I don't think that was chronological. That'd be wild. It was just Especially in the Virginia, 40s, the 50s. Hawaii. Hawaii, Connecticut, Connecticut. California. Connecticut makes sense because that's where, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but that's where he went for submarine training is that a normal thing with the navy where they try to keep you on separate coasts like you're you do a stint on the west and then a stint on the east it depends on your warfare specialty not at all uncommon to be on opposite coast with alternating tours of duty okay because yep. i know in the army they do the diversity got you in the army they do something similarly but rather than geographically diverse they they have you switch units so if okay. you spend a lot of time in like an airborne unit, they'll have you switch to a mechanized unit, and then they'll have you switch to an air assault unit or a light infantry unit. So you're moving around. Yeah. And you're getting like more well-rounded. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, he served aboard the battleships Wyoming and Mississippi in the Atlantic and Pacific. After completing officer's training in the U.S. Navy Submarine School in Connecticut in 48, he was assigned to the sub Pomfret. Uh, and was promoted to Lieutenant say that right? JG in 1949. Yes, Russ. Doesn't that mean French fries? Pomme frites. Okay. <laughs> yes, it was the USS French fry. <laughs> All right. Just just instilling fear in the hearts of our enemies. <laughs> What's, uh, Dad, help me understand the naming of different ships. Battleships are after a state. Aircraft carriers are after battles or people. What? How, do, how are they named? You're them? putting me on the spot here. Okay, because then what do you call the Gerald Ford? That's named after a president. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Let's I got a submarine story for you that you guys will not like, but this palm free <laughs> thing that he served on, there's a joke in the Navy that he was such a pacifist and he didn't do much for the Department of Defense when he was president that the submarine was the only one without torpedoes on it. Oh. Oh yeah, it was kinda of like a professional slam because okay. he didn't do anything good for the Department of Defense while okay. he was president. All right. So you name a submarine after him and you don't want to go to war with that one because you don't got no bullets. <laughs> okay. And, but I heard a story heard when, it here first. when you were a submarinist. Sub, sub No sir, I was not. No. I was a target for submariners. I was on surface ships. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I hear there's a story that involves driving from Key West 
to Washington State. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. That involves submarines once you get there, right? That's correct. Yeah. Lean forward a little bit towards the microphone and tell us Don't that. Yeah. And tell us what your job was when you got there. But start with the, tr- the so road it's trip. I would imagine that took decades. 1973. Well, it's related <laughs> to the gas crisis. Yeah. Oh, it was uh, during who, who, his presidency. Oh, gosh, yes. okay. You could only get eight gallons at a time. And we drove from Key West to San Diego to Seattle at oh eight gallons God. at a time. <laughs> oh, yeah. And this is right after we got married. What so, kind of car were you driving? A 1973 Mazda RX-2 rotary engine rocket ship. And it got like 13 miles to the gallon. And I went through gasoline like there was no tomorrow. That Wow. But, boy, was it fun to fill up every... 14 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you, and you hope that they had gas. Yeah. Well, yeah. There was no gas in Oregon when we left California to go to Washington. We, they said, we think you can make it. Wow. Did you? Oh, yeah. We made it. But we were on empty, empty. How so, many times did you run out of gas? Like how many times once. did you have to push it? We did not run out of because I fill up every five gallons. Sure. Were there, <laughs> wherever were there, lines? there was a gas station, I filled up. Yeah. Were there yeah. lines at all the gas stations? It was abysmal. Gas was 39 cents a gallon. Well, man, how dare they? Inflation, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, and this, of course, this was all, you guys know this, it was all in retaliation for the United States back in Israel in the Yom yeah. Kippur War. Well, so OPEC pulled the plug on, on, on oil production. And then when you got to Seattle, what yeah. was your job? I was at a, um, a base called a naval facility, and we were, um, on the coastlines, all the way around the ocean, listening for Soviet submarines. Just like, like cup to the door. We like, long sh- cables sh- sh- out sh- into the ocean <laughs> with with hydrophones, and they were top secret. And the name of the game is we could we we could listen to the Soviets when they started their submarines next to the piers because these hydrophones were that good. That was very uh, Hunt for Red October before very, very, before yeah. Hunt for Red. And you've October. met Tom Clancy, right? I sure did. Yeah. Yeah, I was telling Blaine about the, the how you were like, how do you know this stuff? And he was like, ah, I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, yeah. I, got, I got some connections. Yeah, it was pretty heady stuff as, a, as an ensign to be uh, tracking uh, Soviet submarines and reporting them when you, re- when you found them. But it was great stuff, man. It was the height of the Cold War, and it was good stuff. Yeah. You were there for exactly a year, right? A year to the day. Yeah. Because there were no, the Vietnam War was closing down. And yeah. My CO said, I got to get you to sea, so you're only going to be here for a year. If you want to stay in the Navy, you got to get out of here. Okay. So I went Ooh. to a ship that did what that base did, except it was a float. Got it. Yeah. Cool. What was the name of that ship? USS Albert David. Who's named, that? A, named after a Medal of Honor recipient who, um, you ever heard of Enigma? You ever heard of the Enigma from World War II, the uh-huh. German decoding machine? Well, there was a machine on a submarine called U-505, which is up in Chicago at the Museum of Science and Industry. And that submarine was kept down, uh, ran out of air, had to surface. They captured the submarine. The Germans bail off the sub. They start to sink the sub. And a bunch of American sailors go on board to try to prevent it from sinking. And it's almost vertical. And they find a sea valve. They shut it. The water stops coming on board, and they kept that a secret, just like Hunt for Red October, mm. except it was for real. And uh, art imitating life, w- life imitating art. Very artsy, yeah. artsy, yes. And so what? We, so what we got out of that was the enigma, and of course, the name of the game was the Germans didn't know that we had it. And Albert so David, Albert was the David guy. was the boarding officer, and he received the Medal of Honor because it was the first 
enemy warship captured on the high seas since the Revolutionary War. Wow. Wow. That's cool. Hey, that is, yeah. there you go. That fun fact. A little fun fact. So in 51, Carter qualifies for command and serves as the executive officer aboard the submarine Barracuda. Also a great song by heart. Yep. And much more aggressive name than the French fry. <laughs> yeah, the bon yeah. Fret. Uh <laughs> As an officer on board the submarine, he also earned his dolphin badge. So, Dad, you... Uh, it's like an aviator's wings. Okay. Submariner's dolphins. Yes. Yeah, it's it's not a submariner. It's a submariner. Is it a dolphin? Is it, looks like, it looks like two dolphins end-to-end, kind of, like linked at the butts. Uh, they so do. They look like two dolphins that are okay. symmetrical. It's like a dolphin centipede situation. So it looks kind like of. wings. Kind right? of. It, that's exactly. They were called. Uh, they were called water wings. Hmm. Uh, huh. And then the surface community had their own device. You basically wear it on your chest, and sort of at a glance, if you're um, paying attention to what you're looking at, you can tell somebody's warfare specialty. Yeah. And okay. his dolphins, bear, very special deal to earn your dolphins, uh, meant that basically it was fundamentally a submariner. In the eyes of the submarine force, is yeah. there like a, a series of tests, a battery of tests oh, you have to go through to, gosh, to get yes. your dolphin wings? Yeah, isn't there like a psychological one too? To see that's if to you get can, to go to see it in a submarine in the first place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. to see if you can withstand that yeah. much just time without seeing, seeing light. light. Yeah, <laughs> did yeah. we just say that? Seeing yeah. light. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. When, um, they, when they get them, is that when the dolphins and cry? It, and it's not just <sighs> seeing oh, light. Evils. Now, you know this listening, but Dad, this is your first time being in on it. Blaine and I sing a lot during these. Uh, Shocking. And we can't Ryan. control it. Yeah. It just happens. It's, it's part of who we are. Okay, it's, dolphins it's, cry. It's, it, it's, not, it's not the lack of light that blows your mind. Yeah. If, you, if you go to Connecticut uh-huh. and you go aboard a submarine, they'll tell you some of the things characteristic. And what you do sitting next to a pier is you tie a piece of rope across one side of the submarine to the neck to the other side okay because you there are places in the sub where you can see this yeah and when you get down to a lot of depth this taut piece of rope is now sagging because the hull is so compressed it's mm-hmm. smaller so mm-hmm. the, so the, the rope Gosh. is sagging and you're going why is that sagging and the yeah. answer is because there's thousands of psi yeah among other things yeah. Um, in 52, he began an association with the Navy's new uh, nuclear sub program. There you go. Led then by Captain Hyman G. Rickover. And Rickover had high standards and demands for his men and machines. Oh, and gosh. Carter later said that next to his parents, Rickover had the greatest influence on his life. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard the name? Father of the Nuclear Navy. Oh, yeah. Okay. It, mm-hmm. They go into pretty good detail about yeah. him. Now he popped his submarine cherry. Yeah. <laughs> In 52, actually, this was... Oh, that was good. <laughs> nice play on words. I caught it. That was good. This was an interesting uh, thing that would later serve him as president. So in December of 52, Carter led the Navy's crew assisting with the shutdown and the cleanup of the damaged experimental nuclear reactor at Atomic Energy of Canada's Chalk River Laboratories. Later as president, uh, Carter would cite his experience with that meltdown for shaping his views on atomic energy and his decision to block U.S. development of a neutron bomb. He saw how bad it was and how bad it could be because he got called in as a sub-expert to go in there and assess that, filed that away, and then later as president remembered what he had learned during that. So Mm. dad died uh, to cancer in October of 53, and Carter requested and was honorably discharged from the Navy. He remained on reserve duty until 61. Uh, He moved back home to Plains to take care of his aging mother, take care of his family's failing business, and it was not an easy transition. So to go from the Navy to now 
farmer. They lived in public housing for a while, the the young Carters did, and his first year harvest failed due to a drought. He's got a ton of open lines of credit to keep the farm afloat, uh, but he's taking classes, he's reading up on agriculture, and Rosalind learned accounting to manage the business's book. So it really was, you know, family operation. We got to keep this thing afloat. He was now a respected peanut farmer, came active in local politics. As respected as you can be as a peanut farmer. Yeah. He's a real peanut man. Yeah. He's a real legume man. Yeah. <laughs> do, you think he, do you think he was a boiled peanuts guy? It's a big thing in the South. Have I you ever had boiled peanuts right there? Awful. They're the oh, worst. I don't I, understand slimy. how somebody it's eats that crap. Slimy. It's just weird. Yeah. They, yeah. Oh, they come the smell can. is terrible, too. <laughs> oh, God. Just, and they gross. serve them just like in bowls yeah. at restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. Here, take this yeah. piece of crap. Found in a washing machine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he won a seat on the Sumter County Board of Education in 55, eventually became its chairman. His county was, I found that this, I kind of went down this rabbit trail. His county, Sumter County, was named for former general and U.S. Senator Thomas Sumter of South Carolina, who was known to his British adversaries as the Gamecock of South Carolina for his fighting style. So that's oh, why they're the Gamecocks. That's why we have the University of South Carolina Gamecocks. So all those when, cool hats from the nineties. Yeah, just had the two lines that said. Yeah. When Sumter County was organized in Georgia, Sumter was ninety-seven years old and the last surviving general of the Revolution. So they named it in his Civil honor. War. No. Revolutionary War. That's Revolutionary what I Revolutionary War. Yeah. yeah. Fort Sumter. There you go. On uh, 54, Brown versus the Board of Education ruling orders the desegregation of all U.S. public schools. And public opinion in the rural South remains strongly opposed to the idea of racial equality, to say the least. And so there was a council called the White Citizens Council that organized a chapter in Plains. And Carter was the only white man in the city who refused to join it, which he caught a lot of flack for. At the same time, he wasn't like outspoken against... Uh, segregation or desegregation. It wasn't outspoken against segregation. He didn't go out of his way to mm. say anything that yeah. was helpful towards the African American community. Correct. That's probably the best way to put yeah. it. He, he was kind of sat on his hands because he was too afraid of losing his base. Yes. He was elected to the Georgia State Senate in 62, served there for two terms, and then tried to run for Georgia governor in 66. But uh, lost that one time, and then he ran again and won it in 71, becoming Georgia's 76th governor. Go ahead, Blaine. While he was a state senator, the SNCC targeted his district as the next Selma like because violence was rampant mm. and crazy there. Carter, like I just said, he never really wanted to appear like he was on the side of civil rights because he didn't want to anger his base. And a reporter from Atlanta got his first big break covering that story. His name was Tom Brokaw. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't you had a Brokaw question, Russ. Yeah, what is SNCC? Oh, the SNC, SNCC, the Southern... Southern. Oh, man. Why would you do this to me? Uh, I know the SNCC stands for SNCC. The Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee? Yes, yeah. So oh. that was like MLK, yeah. John Lewis, uh, those, those folks were big leaders within SNCC. Well, when he was governor, he put portraits of MLK and a handful of other prominent black Georgians in the Capitol building. Yeah, which it was kind of really like, ticked off the KKK. I always kind of felt like he was like trying to make up for things that he felt like he should have done. Yeah. Maybe there was this complex, like you said, he sat on his hands and there was this interesting dynamic in Carter's personality where he favored a constitutional amendment to ban busing. And he then co-sponsored an anti-busing resolution with George Wallace in 71. Well, mm. so the first time he ran for governor, he ran against, uh, uh, what's his name, Russ? Lester Maddox. Yes. And he lost. And Lester Maddox is famous, well, 
for me uh, because of his interview with Dick Cavett when oh, he's, he's sitting in the room with Jim Brown. And this mm. is a, a segregationist governor, like very racist dude. And he's sitting next to Jim Brown, yeah. who is one of the biggest civil rights leaders in the sports world. Well, literally the biggest, the, yeah, like hulking huge. man. Like this is before Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, around the same time as... Muhammad Ali, I would assume. Mm. And so he's sitting there, like, spouting his, like, racist vitriol. Dick Cavett, he's previously had walked off Dick Cavett's set because Dick Cavett wasn't having any of his crap. And he's sitting there, like, talking to Jim Brown, like, explaining his side, wanting him to understand oh, why he God. feels that way. Wow. It's, it's a, you, you can find all of those interviews on YouTube. Dick Cavett is great. Yeah, it, Dick Cavett, the, like, that was one of the things I did during uh, covid was I went through and watched a whole bunch of old Dick Cavett shows because yeah, his yeah. show was fantastic. I've really seen the awesome. ones where he's had like a John Lennon on it after the Beatles yep. broke up, which is yeah. cool. Yeah, he, he had a Yoko and John Lennon on. And they did yep. this real weird musical number where she was just like shrieked and banged on stuff. Oh, you don't like, say she was weird. <laughs> every musical number, she yeah. Did. <laughs> yeah, it was another one of hers. The medley of her greatest hit. So his, he, his mom during this time too joined the Peace Corps at age sixty-one, which apparently oh. is a real thing. Yeah. Because remember yes. in Kennedy's uh, episode, you're like, wait, is the Peace Corps a real thing? Update to that. I was just in a fundraising class this week, and the lady sitting next to me was like, yeah, I joined the Peace Corps okay. when I was younger. And I was like, what? I've never met somebody that joined the Peace you Corps. You heard before. about it from movies. <laughs> yeah. You just never met someone who was in the Peace Corps. What, what did I attribute it to? It's like Jaguars fans or people that watch uh, <laughs> like CBS primetime shows. I know that they exist. Yeah. I've just never met you just them. just never met one. <laughs> okay. <Now you> have. <laughs> well, in 74, he was selected as campaign chairman for the DNC, and he announced his candidacy for president, won his party's nomination on the first ballot at the 76 convention. One of his campaign buttons, and I'm not making this up, read, I'm nuts about Jimmy Carter as bicentennial <laughs> oh, president. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. He became born again in between when he lost the governorship and won the governorship yeah and that was like his you know obviously life-changing moment yeah uh and and he outwardly claimed that that god wanted him to be a politician uh, i don't know how you come to that conclusion well he won afterwards that's okay that's I mean, fair yeah it's a straightforward conclusion here's my vindication lost one in the presidential election on November 2nd of 76, Carter defeated incumbent Republican President Gerald Ford, winning 297 electoral votes and 50.1% of the popular vote. I want to do a little bit of more character development here sure. before we get into the presidency. Yeah. So when he won governor, he basically portrayed his opponent as pro-black, like very discreetly, because he knew that would rile up like the Georgian base mm. and then completely turned course in his governor gubernatorial inaugural address standing next to Lester Maddox saying, I say to you quite frankly that the time for racial discrimination is over. Yeah. Which that kind of rubbed me the wrong way because if you were like putting the subversive messages out, making your opponent to be pro-black because you knew it would hurt him and then you say that when you win, like, yeah. I'm not cool with that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he also pushed through multiple environmental laws while he was the governor of Georgia, one of which being conserving the Chattahoochee River, which effectively saved Alan Jackson's future career. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. All yeah. right. Chattahoochee runs straight through Fort Benning. I've golfed on the Chattahoochee plenty of times. So 
a little bit of foreshadowing to the question that we always ask. The, Jimmy Carter is the reason the United States of America has Alan Jackson. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll see you next episode on Ronald Reagan. Uh, um, he, he, when he was governor too, he would have his state police escorts while they were on the highway pull over speeders just so he could go lecture them. Oh gosh, uh, that sounds like a Jimmy Carter thing to do. Be like, let me tell you something. Here. And in '72, right before he announced his <laughs> his presidency. <laughs> He would have his security pull over <laughs> just regular citizens. Speeding. Speeding. And then he would get out yep. just to lecture them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As the governor. Yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, wow. I would be like, if that happened now, I'd be like, Governor Holcomb, like, yeah, please. it's not. The, it's, yeah. I don't want. Stay in your Neither lane. you nor I have time for this. <laughs> this, is, this is, oh, um, man. When he was in 72, right before he announced his, his he was running for president. yeah. yeah. He's, his wife and he, Rosalind and he, uh, traveled to Brazil to visit the Confederate colony that was started after the Civil War. Okay, what episode did we talk about this in? Because there were a lot of Confederates that fled down south, started to a Mexico colony. Mexico and Brazil. Yeah. There, were, there was a, a Mexico one that's Western Mexico okay. that was founded by ex-Confederates and Mormons. And then there was one in Brazil that was still, well, I think still there to this day. Yes. Recently, and when I say recently, I mean like in the con, in the parlance of our times, within the last like 25 or 30 years, they had some violence break out at that colony okay. between that colony and a drug cartel in Mexico. Oh my. The drug cartel was trying to claim it as territory and they like naturally had a bunch of guns and they were like, come on, buddy. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, I don't man. remember how long ago that was, but it was... There's another interesting tie with South America and the U.S. presidency where uh, Rutherford B. Hayes is a national oh, yeah. hero in Paraguay. <laughs> Which we, we need to like find a way to go fund me enough money to oh, go man. the next time. Because it's like every 16 years. Yeah, there was a essentially a make-a-wish child from Paraguay who all she wanted to do was <laughs> go visit Rutherford B. Hayes's... Home in Ohio. Home in Ohio. <laughs> like that was her dream yeah, because he crazy? he did. Dad, he. Uh, I'm sure you know everything about Rutherford B. Hayes. Just yeah. kidding. Yeah. He. Uh, no one knows everything except the people at that place that she yeah. wanted to go well, to. I, okay. Yeah, I know everything. And, and yeah. nobody knew everything about Rutherford B. Hayes besides his family because they held all of his documents close to the chest Thank until like 1970. He did like this uh, uh, deal, uh, like a peace treaty with Paraguay and some other nation in a war and. Paraguayans yeah. everywhere rejoiced. Anyway, uh, back to Jimmy Carter. I still do. He he, car- he ran on rock concerts. This is probably you probably remember this. He used to go to rock oh, yeah. concerts. Yeah, I remember this and introduce bands such as the Almond Brothers, Jimmy Buffett, Charlie Daniels, Leonard Skinner, Willie Nelson. He completely won over Hunter S. Thompson at a speech at Georgia's law school. And he quote and in the speech he quoted Bob Dylan and so Hunter S. Thompson was like a huge Jimmy Carter yeah. stan and he would constantly try to convert Bob Dylan to Christianity. Okay, the, you know the tiny Jewish man. Yeah. from Minnesota. Yeah, who wrote folk music? He was like, now I'm going to get him. I think I, <laughs> yeah, next time. I can get next him. Next time I can get him. Uh, wasn't Hunter S. Thompson? Didn't he actually? Wasn't he part of the? Almost part of the press corps at the time with Jimmy Carter. Well, he was writing for the Rolling Stone at the time. Yeah, yeah but wasn't he on the campaign trail with Carter? He with his have... what, six lines of cocaine for breakfast in <laughs> yeah. the morning. What was that? Wasn't that you? Yeah, that sent no, that? you sent it. No, I, I sent it. Oh, Russ sent it. Yeah. yeah, you both start with R. It's hard to keep track yeah, of the that's text. True. Carter carried twenty-three states, while Gerald Ford carried twenty-seven. 
yet won with the largest percentage of the popular vote of any non-incumbent since Eisenhower. He had a really interesting campaign strategy. So when he would visit, he visited 260 cities, 250 cities before the primaries even started, and he would stay in people's houses hmm. instead of staying at hotels, and he would always make his bed and like leave really nice notes so all the neighbors would like absolutely rave about him. So hmm. by the time primary season came yeah. around, and when you read Obama's book, you'll learn like a ton about how that works, like the Iowa caucus and yeah. New Hampshire. Like it's actually relatively fascinating if like depending on your definition of fascination. <laughs> relatively fascinating <laughs> is just a great um, term. But it, the, I, I was actually like a really yeah. cool strategy. And yeah. like he would always very neatly make his bed every morning before leaving. And all the families, it, the word would spread like wildfire in all these tiny towns in yeah. like Iowa. He's yeah. a very tidy man. Yeah. Like, yeah. he was super nice. You Clinton, know? I mean, besides spending the night in their houses, Clinton did that a lot in Arkansas, too. You'd like, he to would imagine. go to everybody's potluck or, you know. They had to have had, like, the worst digestive issues. Because, you know, they didn't turn any food away. <laughs> oh, and they no. were like, oh, yeah. this is great. This is, And yeah, you're, so you're, like, sure. having a cup of coffee, and you're going to chili cook-off, and then a yeah. barbecue, and then... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Jimmy Carter's campaign brought to you by Pepto-Bismol. Yeah. He was inaugurated as the 39th president of the United States on January 20th, 1977. He took the oath with a family Bible, opened to Micah chapter 6, verse 8, which if you want to know that, feel free to look it up. And also the same Bible used by George Washington at his 1789 inauguration in New York. Uh, the national anthem was performed by Cantor Isaac Goodfriend of Atlanta, who was a Holocaust survivor. And following the swearing-in ceremony, Carter became the first president to walk from the Capitol to the White House in the post-ceremony parade. And say, like, I'm a man of the people. I'm going to walk to the White House. And the day after his inauguration... He fulfilled a campaign promise and pardoned uh, Vietnam War draft dodgers. So you said he was sworn in on a family Bible, uh -huh. but you also said it's the same Bible that Washington? Two, two Bibles. One was a family Bible, uh, and the other was Washington's 1789 okay. inauguration. Bible, All right. Which I wonder where that's kept. Maybe Mount Vernon or Nicholas maybe somewhere Cage's in D.C. Yeah. Nicholas Cage's house. <laughs> couple of things to round out his uh, campaign yeah. before we go to break. So the very first person to endorse his campaign, Senator from Delaware, Joe Biden. Oh. Hmm. So Didn't way too old that. to be doing anything of significance at this point. Way too old. <laughs> uh, so old. He, the publication that broke the news of oh. Walter Mondale being the vice president was a publication called Children's Express, which was a magazine for preteens. Uh, huh. They're the ones that broke the news of who the new vice, pre well, who the vice presidential nominee would be. Wow. Uh, yeah. Didn't didn't Carter do a uh, a pretty sensational interview? The fact that he did it with Playboy. Playboy. It was yeah. no. It was the fact that he said lusted. that he lusted in his heart. Oh, yeah. go ahead, L. Well, just one of the famous lines: he lusted in his heart, and never, you know, he just got clobbered for that. Yeah. He lost ten points in the polls. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about this this pledge to forgive the draft dodgers. Uh -huh. He also ran. His campaign was to lower the defense budget, and this was just infuriating people. He not only ran on that plank, but he also was going to forgive the draft dodgers, and there were just people just losing their minds. What were we getting for a president? Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, got, we've talked a lot about this too. Of just Kennedy up through Reagan, there's so much tumult that's going on in the fabric of society, especially in the 60s. In the world. With, yeah, in the world with, I mean, Kennedy's assassination, you've got MLK, you've got 
um, Malcolm X, you've got Bobby Kennedy, uh, you've got the war, you've got MLK. Yeah, okay, you've got um, feminism going on. You've got all these kind of things that are going on that, you know, to your point, Dad, of people are like, who is this guy? And, and I think the most recent time up to Carter would have been Truman, where the nation's like, who the heck is this dude coming out of nowhere? Yeah, I mean, go from him. FDR to like a, a former hat salesman that no one really knows about. Haberdasher. Yeah, and then you got Gerald Ford, who, of course, is going after Nixon, where the country is just like, come on, give us a break. And then you got Ford, who's a man, like we said, man of incredible character. Mm-hmm. But here comes... Nobody you know, knows anything about nobody him. Nobody knows anything yeah. about him, and he's living in Nixon's shadow. And then here comes Carter. Here comes and, Carter. And Carter tees up Reagan. Let's take a quick break. Uh, you're listening to The Volunteer, episode 39 of the Press Bunch Podcast. We'll be right back. Facing the transition out of the military is rarely easy. It doesn't help that the staggering number of options you're faced with can be overwhelming. But there's a light at the end of that tunnel for all veterans. And that light shines brightest here in Indiana. Lucrative careers in fast-growing industries are plentiful. Housing costs are amongst the lowest in the nation. And you can live in the country while being less than an hour from a world-class city. At InVets, we're showing veterans how to translate the valuable skills they've learned to the civilian world while connecting them with careers they can be proud of so they can lead fulfilling, purposeful lives. Go to InVets, that's I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Create a profile to learn more about Indiana communities, browse the current open job openings in these communities, and receive your free shirt. That's InVets, I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Welcome back, friends. You're listening to episode 39, the volunteer of the podcast. Thanks for your support. And thanks to my dad, L. Allward, for joining us today. Dad, Good to be with you guys. Good to Thank have you. you here. I'm cracking open another Bud Light Lime, Dad's beer of choice. There you go. Clink yeah. gentlemen. You. Okay. Nice to toast beers over the soundboard. Too, yeah, that's always not dangerous non- at all. Sorry yeah. about that. No, you're the, fine. Uh, okay, so he had fireside chats. He brought back the fireside chat in a cardigan, in a, in a cardigan, yeah, in, a, yeah. in a beige cardigan, yeah. in order to set in a, up in uh, a beige environmental. It's like, what color should I use? <laughs> in order to set up uh, environmental bills, uh, he made enemies in Congress uh, by doing this because they didn't think that he knew. He was doing and he was just like going out of his way to like make him look bad yeah he cut back on government spending mm-hmm. the first thing that he did was he eliminated the $85,000 annual newspaper and magazine subscriptions to the White House 85k it's gotta be all of them right that's yeah. all the newspapers and yeah. magazines yeah. $85,000 world that's, yeah I mean he had to keep some right he got rid of all of them Look got rid magazine, of eighty-five thousand dollars worth. Red book. The Children's Express. Uh, How many could there be each morning? <laughs> the Children's and, Express. And, I, I don't understand. All the Mondale, so I, I still don't that. get how it was eighty-five yeah. grand. That had to be a government contract somewhere. Oh, they were yeah. like, "No, it costs eighty-five grand." Yeah. Somebody's like, "Whatever." He also sold the presidential yacht. Yeah. I, he thought yeah, it was, it was a symbol of excess, and uh, he also oh. he had a couple of different quirks about wanting to be. Just ordinary and plain, like he would carry his own briefcase around, and he also banned workers from playing Hail to the Chief when he appeared. He was he, like, man, eh, not a lot of fanfare. Like, I'm just Jimmy Cotta. He went to visit Vernon Jordan, who was the president of the National Urban League, who was shot in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Who was Bill Clinton's... Uh, one, wait, Vernon Jordan. Where do I know that name? How he do was I know the president it? of the Urban League. He was shot in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which was the very first story CNN ever covered. Ever. Yeah. Was it Tom Brokaw? There you have it. I don't know. 
Uh, I don't have that. The term human rights was coined in 1975, and he loved using the term. When he found out about it, he used it all the time. He started using it, and because he started using it, its appearance rose 10 times in the New York Times. Wow. Interesting story before we get into Panama Canal. Yeah. The person who was Jimmy Carter's analyst to study nuclear weapons for the Office of Management and Budget was Ina Garten. Oh. Who you know now yeah. as Barefoot Contessa. Yeah. Oh, the cook on like HGTV mm-hmm. or something? She yeah. was the what? She was the analyst to study nuclear weapons for the Office of Management and Budget. Wow. Barefoot um, Contessa was badass back in the day, okay. apparently. Huh. Like she's a nuclear weapons expert. Wow. And That's now crazy. she's like baking things. <laughs> now she's like here for my next linguini dish. Yeah. What was this guy's name? The the one before Vernon? What Vernon Jordan? There's another Vernon Jordan. How do you Vernon know Jordan it's not Jr., the same Who was Bill Clinton's friend? Who uh, who was killed or, or committed or suicide? Was he? Yeah. Or was oh, he? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, let's definitely get into that. Yeah, sorry. Then when you said that name, I immediately I don't know. If was it related. Vernon Jordan's son? Boy, there's so many weird name connections. Was with, it Vernon Jordan's son? Well, we're we're getting in. Yeah. Uh, he had an alias they called Blaine Zimmerman yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're anyway. getting into like more recent stuff so it's yeah. just like things are in the ether that we've just heard yes. and especially like Russ and I no offense Ryan but oh. Russ and I get into some weird stuff sometimes oh I know you do uh, yeah no I've, I've, I've seen our text chats <laughs> were you right. did I put the stuff about the Cars Extended Universe in the group chat or was that just a rust? No, but I need to see that because Gus, my son, is obsessed with Cars. I don't think he's going to want to hear what I have to say. Ah. He does not. He does not want to hear about the Cars Extended Blaine's Cars Extended Universe. (laughs) There's a dark history there. Oh, alright. Alright, okay. Uh, Don't shatter my image of Lightning McQueen, please. Well, it's not not necessarily him, but like, there's Sarge. Oh. Right? Sarge was in the Battle of Bulge. Which means in cars there was a World War II, which means Means. in cars there was a car Hitler. By definition, if there's a battle of bulge, all of those other things also have to be true. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Logically. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which cars two is an abomination. With all like all the extended stuff. Yeah. Because there's cars TSA in one of them, which means Cars nine eleven. Cars nine eleven. Yeah, Cars 2 is an abomination, and I, that is a hill that I'm willing to die on. Cars really? 2 is horrible. Is that where he is the super spy? Well, it's where Japan. the plot diverts more to focus on Mater, mm-hmm. and they never oh, should have done that. No, thanks. They go over to the... the it's, a, it's also a different race, just like let him be a NASCAR driver. Why is he now going into Formula One? That's a you good can't point. even do that. And then there's also plot lines where... Mater gets a girlfriend in Cars 2, but you never hear about that relationship in Cars 3. Nothing in Cars 2 carries into Cars 3, and I'm angry at Why that. do they have doors? Why Maybe, do they have seats? Right. There's no people. Right. Maybe right. that's our next podcast. It's just the history I would, of, of just tearing life. down the Cars <laughs> franchise. Yeah. But like going through all the other history. What's crazy? Like, what was your favorite movies growing up? Like, what, what was your oh. version of Cars if your sons were really into Teenage Cars? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay, great movie. Yeah. I was really big, like younger. I was really into uh, Robin Hood, Disney. Watched it a ton. Prince and Tights. No, the the animated one with the oh, fox. fox. Dad, what was your favorite movie growing up? Goldfinger. Gold, James Bond. Okay. Oh, yeah, so Gus, my child? son. Huh? As a child. I was thirteen. <laughs> Four year old. Wow, I bet you like Goldfinger when you yeah. were thirteen. I don't and think they had movies scene. when I was growing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Gus, my son, who's five, anytime we're in the car, he likes to listen to the Cars soundtrack. And he's watched this movie so many times where, based on the music, he can tell me what's going on in the movie. He's like, oh, this is when lightning uh, goes around the corner and bumps oh into yeah, the that king. sounds like, like what? Yeah. So, is okay. it all instrumental? 
No, I guess no. there's words. The score? There's definitely songs with no, words. Well, they, they do have songs that are the score, but then they've got like <clears throat> the Rascal Flats, Life is a Highway one. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. let's talk so, about Panama, shall yeah. we? Yeah. Do, 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 That's a good Panama. Van Halen. That's a good Van Halen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Panama. That's nice. Love that song. Well, let's talk about it. Not the song, but, uh, and even not the country, but about Jimmy the treaty. Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Jimmy Carter. It's a really controversial treaty. So Panama, gosh, goes all the way back to what McKinley. I mean, in, in, when we started because, talking about yeah, a little because it was supposed to be Nicaragua. It was it was the real Istanbul, yeah. Constantinople yeah, situation. Yeah. Supposed to be Nicaragua. Vol- volcano goes off in Nicaragua while McKinley's president. McKinley yep. dies. TR comes in and decides it's going to be in Panama, not yep. Nicaragua. Pissed off most of the Senate because a lot of them had already done insider trading <laughs> because of the Nicaragua deal and yeah. all of their money was like down the drain at that Wait, point. Wait, politicians mm. were doing something to line their own pockets? Well, luckily we stopped them from doing that. Got it, thanks. And they don't do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about this. This is the Torrijos-Carter Treaty of 1977. So essentially this let Panama have sovereign control over the canal. Over the canal that's in Panama. It's a real wild concept. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Otherwise known as the canal if you're yeah. Panamanian. Yeah. 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 Our canal. Not a lot of people like this saw Carter as a weak leader. Little concern for protecting U.S. assets abroad. Um, Twelve years after this treaty was signed. All that type of stuff just blows my mind. Like, what do you mean we're going to give it back to them? Like, well, I mean, it's it's theirs. It's it's, it's in their country. Like, like, and it also, like, obviously serves a lot of U.S. business functions, but it's a global asset. Yeah. Right? Like, it is, by definition, a global asset. Like, it and it benefits multiple different countries. Like, yeah. I mean, I understand why. Actually, I do understand why they're mad because that means yeah. money goes somewhere else. Yeah, right. Yeah, but, there, there you go. But man, like just the concept of like, nope, that strip, that one's ours. That isthmus. Yeah. Honey, Russ, would you mind looking up other famous isthmuses? Is, is you know what? Yeah. I S T H M U S isthmus. Yeah. Go ahead. Twelve years later, uh, after this treaty was signed, President George H. W. Bush ordered an invasion of Panama, which we'll probably talk about in his. Uh, sure, we'll fix that. Yeah, to remove uh, Noriega. Let's, let's get that. It was, but it was really to get the canal back. <laughs> exactly. And in '99, though, uh, relations had grown more peaceful, and the canal was turned over to the Panamanians, who have administered ever since in their own country. Uh, Dad, did you ever go through the Panama Canal? No. Is, was the Wisconsin too wide for it? <laughs> no, I haven't, as a matter of fact. Was the battleship too wide? No, for actually, it? the battleship, the USS Iowa class battleships were the last ships built to fit in the canal. So they now cleared they cleared by a foot on each side. Wow. Wow, that seems like. That, you, you mentioned it was an international situation. commodity. Yeah. Not only that, but it determined how big ships were built. To make yeah. sure they could go yeah. through there. Yeah. Wow. So now battleships can't fit through there. Well, now no, no, there are no are more battleships that are in. Okay, but but <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> that, we, that was a great wink. <laughs> but carriers don't go there. You know, okay. for example. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, carriers are like we'll go around. We'll go around yeah, because fine. we're tough. Watch this. Yeah. So the, we already talked about it. So there uh-huh. is the Panama Canal and then the Suez Canal. Yeah. Those are the big ones. Are those the only isthmus? <laughs> I don't know if they're the only ones, but <laughs> they're the Austin the... Powers, like <laughs> yeah. getting um, green isthmus. container stuck. The isthmus of Corinth was okay. Yeah, what's the Paul's, Paul's letter to the isthmus? <laughs> the isthmusins. What's what's the Bosphorus? What am I thinking of Bosphorus? You're thinking Is that a strait? Uh, Constantinople, which joins the two continents, which goes into the Black Sea. And what was Hold the story on. about That's nobody's business but the Turks? 
That's true. Well played. Blake. That's right. Well said. <laughs> what was the uh, what was the Navy story that you have about the Bosphorus about going through the Straits at night to piss off some country and tell them that we could do it? Well, okay. When <laughs> in layman's terms, when basically the, the Black Sea is on the north side of that. Yes, passage. Uh-huh. That's the Asia part. And and the what we would do, we would have Black Sea operations (BSO) and basically. Under the cover of darkness, the next day there'd be a U.S. Navy ship driving around, and they go, "Where'd that come from?" And the answer was, "We presume it's international waters, despite oh. your claim on it. And we're yeah. going to drive around in your lake. <laughs> we're going to drive with jet skis. We're going to black sea showmanship. It's it's showmanship. Yeah, you know. Okay. And, yeah. And that sounds like, like that sounds like a CBS show. Black Sea, Black Ops. <laughs> this Thursday on it's the CBS. Like what, you know, the Chinese are on the CW. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little bit of saber rattling, though, isn't it? Yeah, uh, chest bumping. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing's happening in the... China doesn't like people driving around in yeah. the Spratly Islands and all the rest of that stuff and yeah. South China Sea. There was also an internet... They wake up one morning and you're sunbathing <laughs> on the boat in the back seat. Hi, we're here. What's up? Hi, we're Tied here. up with another yeah, destroyer. Of course, like, hey, party's over here. Guys? Of course, now it's all that stuff is... you know, yeah. All that era is past. Sure. Uh, okay. Well, in August of 77, uh, Carter signed the Department of Energy into existence in response to the ongoing oil crisis, and he appointed former Secretary of Defense James Schlesinger, who served under Nixon mm-hmm. and Ford mm-hmm. during the Vietnam War, as the first Secretary of Energy. On New Year's Eve of 77, he visited the Iranian Shah Mohammad Reza Pahlavi in Tehran, calling Iran, quote, an island of stability in the Middle East, a comment that would only come back and bite him in the rear. Let's hear about Walter Mondale. Yeah. That was a solid transition on my part. That really was very good. (laughs) (laughs) Russ, you are our vice presidential expert. You you read a book on the vice presidents. Bring the heat, man. Here we go. Yeah. I just saw his nickname, and I already have a joke about the submarine. Oh, this is good. All right. All right. Bring us the heat. Jimmy Carter's vice president was Walter Fritz Mondale. Named after Jimmy Carter's submarine. Wait, what? What was it called? Nice, Pomfrit. Oh, yeah. Oh, the Pomfrit. Very nice. There it is. (laughs) Very nice. Hmm. Who was in Tremors with Kevin Bacon? Who, Walter Mondale? No. (laughs) I love that movie. It's a good movie. It's really good. Yeah. All right. Um, Fritz. Okay. Was that his real or his nickname? It was real middle Uh, name. His middle name was like... uh, Fritz Gerald. (laughs) No. It's like a... I didn't write it down, but it's a... I don't know. It starts with an F. Okay. Whatever Fritz is short for. I mean, there wasn't a big leap. Fritz Gerald. Yeah. Yeah. Fritz Gerald. Hyman. Sounds a little German. (laughs) Hyman Roth. Hyman Roth. Mondale was born in Minnesota. Oh, don't you know? Don't you know? Just like uh, Bob Dylan, eh? Yeah. Robert Zimmerman. Maybe that's that's why I was constantly around him. Do you think that's why he chose Blaine Zimmerman? Because he was a Dylan fan? Look, I have so many questions. I'm going to ask them all. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. from go ahead, Russ video. Walter oh, Mondale. Right. This always happens with Russ, where he he's got like pages of notes, and we just derail him. We're right. sorry, Russ. To go be ahead. fair, he derailed himself there all the time. <laughs> I did. Walter Fritz Mondale okay. from right. Minnesota, yeah. senator. Yeah, he also played football in high school. His nickname was Crazy Legs. <laughs> <laughs> just just to put that out there. That's when he had a third leg, though, yeah. that, which makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's no LBJ. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> right that bear where your nuts hang. <laughs> right there in the bunghole. <laughs> what president drank from the bunghole? What was oh, that? What's that? It was it was the, had to have been wine. It was so it had yeah. been a long time ago. It was like William Henry. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Walter Mondale, yeah. Minnesota 
Yeah, senator from Minnesota. Tripod. He was he was in the Senate for like twelve years. Okay, so he was very much a Washington like insider. Yeah, uh-huh. and that's a big reason that Carter brought him on oh, okay. because when he came on, I mean the the Democratic Party didn't even like the 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 Democratic stalwarts in the Senate weren't big Jimmy Carter fans. Yeah, like they they really just the stalwarts are our cousins, by the way. Yeah, the stalwarts. <laughs> <laughs> from Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I don't know. Jimmy Carter didn't understand the politics of it either. So okay. Mondale was kind of his insider. Unlike any other vice presidents before Mondale, yeah. when Mondale entered the office day one, he already had out, he already had a plan written of exactly how he was going to be utilized okay. by Jimmy Carter. Because Jimmy Carter understood... Mondale's importance to get anything passed. Did Mondale manage that up, or did Carter tell him, this is how I want to use you? Yeah, it was managed up. Okay, I mean, right. it might be yeah. said that it was sure. managed down, but it absolutely was okay. not. So they would have a weekly lunch, which is up to VPs at this point, which was absolutely unheard of. There would be no staff. There would be no agenda. It yeah. was just so... Damn. That's nice that they had lunch <laughs> together every week. They did, That's but nice. it's because Jimmy Carter didn't want to... He didn't boiled, want to talk politics. Boiled peanuts. <laughs> yeah, definitely boiled peanuts. Yeah, go ahead. Eat them. It's the worst. It's a test of loyalty. Them, they sell them on the road. Yeah, like, they it's do. Just, yeah. It's everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. My late papa loved boiled peanuts. Everywhere yeah. in the South. Yeah. <laughs> and right. when you close your eyes, there's boiled peanuts in your mouth. <laughs> so Mondale... Got all of the briefings that Jimmy Carter got. Mondale, he... Mondale. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Mamas and the Papas. Twelve years in the Senate. Mm. All right. Okay. <laughs> I thought that was going to be longer. No, no, no. Is it? <laughs> Every other day. Russ was like, well, here's a good time to take a drink. Oh, you're done. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> yeah. So he received all the briefings that Carter did because Carter thought that. This guy is one stone's throw away from the presidency. Mm-hmm. He should be ready. Yeah. He should have all the information. He oh, should know so exactly. the opposite of Truman. Opposite of Truman and FDR. 100%. Like, I mean, who's this guy? It's the opposite of every other president and their vice president. Like, this was yeah. this was definitely something different. Yeah. Maybe not Nixon and Agnew, but I know what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Well, Nixon kind of shut him out, too, though. Yeah. That's, he, he relegated him to the basement where yeah, he received... Where he received suitcases, suitcases full of money. Of cash. <laughs> <laughs> one of the reasons that Carter... what well, I guess one of the reasons Carter was elected is because there was a debate between Mondale and Bob Dole. Okay. And um, Mondale came off... At least from the book I read. Uh-huh. The one much book. Much better. The one book. The one book. The one chapter in the one book. <laughs> that he came off much better than Dole did. Okay. So after that debate, the Dole, political Dole ads... Get it up for that one. What'd you say? <laughs> Dole couldn't get it up for that one. Oh, yeah. That was good. Blue pill. <laughs> for those um, of you that don't know, Bob Dole was the Viagra spokesman for a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Had a war, yeah, uh, war injury, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. World War II. World War II. Okay. Yeah. Um, like pineapples. Yeah. Historically, he's known for pineapples. Yeah, the Dole Pineapple family. <laughs> oh, that story's crazy. Oh, is it? Oh, we yeah. should do a bonus yeah. episode about you it. You know all yeah. about that. I do, yeah. Yeah. Putting on the fritz. Oh, that's <laughs> Putting good. Putting on the fritz! <laughs> 
didn't Nixon Nixon was like Republican president with both houses controlled by the Democrats mm-hmm. and then Ford inherited that. So the Democrats have a lot of clout in the legislative arm, obviously, mm-hmm. but they don't really know who this Carter guy is. But Mondale is the buffer from yeah. what I hear you say. Like, at least we know this guy. Yeah. And he's a heartbeat away. But so. he still wasn't much of a buffer. Like mm. Jimmy Carter kept pissing them off. You know, economic stimulus. He abandoned that. Like. Yeah. It's just one thing after another that he had started and didn't finish. Okay. And he would just leave his own party in the lurch. Huh. Yeah. He so, had a habit of pissing off politicians, especially later in life, which yeah. we'll talk oh, about. Yeah. We'll yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. that later. Yeah. Was Mondale older than Carter? I think so. I would imagine. It just sounds like yeah. the narrative that he would be a little older and wiser, think, more politically I think he savvy. was wiser. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if he was older, but he was definitely in Washington a sure. lot longer. Yeah. He knew how to play the game. Yeah. That's why they brought him on. But still, you know, Carter would, I don't know, he wouldn't pay attention to his advice. You, you think Carter, Deep South Democrat, Mondale, way up north, mm-hmm. you know, Northern Democrat, thinking of just the, the balance of the ticket politically would probably make sense, I would think, too. Yeah. You mean the balance geographically? What did I say, politically? Yeah. I mean, yes, geographically, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna jump here and say Walter Mondale is one of the most boring vice presidents we've had so far. Yeah, like I nothing like that guy last. I'm Rockefeller, that, who, by the way, we forgot to mention, tried to buy Greenland at one point. Oh, he did. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about. We that? totally yeah. forgot to talk oh, about that. But we like, didn't talk. He literally about him read an article that like the Danes didn't want to control Greenland anymore, and he was like, "I think we should buy it." And they were like, "What is this crazy dude talking about? You How much you want for Greenland? You know, you're right. The him wanting to buy Greenland is much more interesting than his son being eaten by cannibals or him dying mid coitus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We had all those points. Greenland, Greenland is huge on a map, by the way. Greenland is not that big that you would see on a map. It, yeah. it is large. Yeah, most maps aren't to scale. Yeah, but Greenland looks massive. Yeah, Mondale old? is super boring. So he ran for... Old crazy legs. Old crazy legs. But he ran for, you know, the presidency against... I was really hoping you were going to be like 1,200 yards his senior year in high school. <laughs> <laughs> when he was running for the presidency, he was running against Gary Hart. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the front runner. Yeah. There was a movie recently about okay. Gary Hart that uh, Wolverine plays in. They got the singer from The Greatest Showman. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he was like, uh, this was kind of at the knife bleeding edge of when politics changed. So he was running against Reagan, right? Mm-hmm. And he was way out ahead and there was a picture of him and a mistress on a boat a boat and mm-hmm. in the black sea and it in the black sea he had just like under the cover of darkness yeah, yeah. Uh, and it Cavorting. completely ruined his his oh. campaign because people were like well we can't have you know potential Cavort, presidents cavorting yeah. uh, and then turn around and now people just literally don't even care yeah it's true like huh. at all so when he was running against Gary Hart, there was questions on Gary Hart's like substance. Okay. So uh, his political—I mean, it was very right in line with the times. His uh, political comeback was, "Where's the beef?" Uh, and oh, that Wendy's. Yeah. yeah. Mm, was that Wendy's? It was. Wendy's. Was. Yeah. yeah. It was the old lady. There was the uh, yeah. Where's yeah, yeah. the beef? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which flummoxed, you know, Gary Hart. Gosh, great He's usage like, of flummox. Uh, yeah. Great Iowa? Of, uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin? The beef's in Wisconsin, I yeah. think. I've, I've seen a cow. It's <laughs> it's too hip. It's too relevant. It's Dwight Eisenhower's cow. Yeah. 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 Uh, so thank monkey. you, Russ, as the always. The guy with the monkey? 
You're welcome. <laughs> it's 1978, and in September, Jimmy Carter mediates talks between Prime Minister Begin of Israel and President Begin. Sadat. It's Begin! <laughs> it's Begin. <laughs> How do you say it? Be- Begin? Be- Begin? Menachem Begin. Menachem Begin? Menachem Begin. Menachem Begin. Begin. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Russ is the expert on thank this you. one. And, uh, I love and that I'm the expert on all this. On you, you, of all of us... You speak by far the most Hebrew. This is true. Yeah. So you would definitely be the expert on how to pronounce Menachem Begin. Menachem Begin. Uh, and President Anwar Sadat of Egypt at Camp David. Do you remember who Camp David was named after? And do you yeah. remember what it almost stayed the name of? Yeah, it was Shangri La. And then and it then was named Camp David because. After Eisenhower's son. There you go. Or because right. Eisenhower's name was David. Yeah. Yeah. That's like Russell's. Like self. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that was also was it who was it? Khrushchev was like uh, I'm not going to a camp. <laughs> I don't know about uh, a camp in the woods. Yeah, <laughs> where, uh, what do you, do you? You guys have different uses for camps here. <laughs> so the agreement, which was a very historic peace treaty, obviously uh, called for Israel's gradual withdrawal from the Sinai and the establishment of diplomatic relations between the two countries. And luckily, we haven't had a problem there since. Nope, totally been <laughs> good job, Jenny. Just yeah, totally been fine. Uh, but the Camp David Accords are considered the most significant foreign policy mark on Carter's administration. Three months later, towards the end of 78, he granted full diplomatic status to China. Oh, Let's take a pause on that because that is a super significant thing, especially in our country. Since he did that and the borders have kind of opened between immigration one way and the other, yeah. th- over 350,000 Chinese Americans have been educated in the United States, which I think huh. is a like, really great historic accomplishment. Like that's. Wow. That seems like a low number, also. Well, in China, oh yeah, you got like two billion people. But yeah, three hundred. Sorry, not Chinese American, Chinese students as foreign exchange students. Oh, I okay. said that wrong. Okay. Yeah, you. As soon as you said that, I was like, I read my note wrong for sure. Okay. Three hundred fifty thousand Chinese foreign exchange students have, have come studied to in America, America to study. Okay. Wow. Hmm. Uh, do you know what happened on April twentieth, nineteen seventy nine? He also claims he's the largest missionary to China ever. Because he convinced, wow. allegedly, he claims he convinced Deng, Deng, uh-huh. Deng, to allow Bibles back into China. Mm-hmm. Which was a huge deal. Mm, wow. Yes. April 20th, 1979. Mm-hmm. Anybody remember what happened? The CIA mm-hmm. failed. Wasn't that? We're not talking about Iran. No, that's later. Oh. <laughs> it's the attack of the wild swamp rabbit. Oh, the rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> you guys heard about this? No. Do you remember hearing about this? Okay. Oh, yeah. Terrorized. So he's on a... <laughs> He's on a fishing trip. Did he get the holy hand grenade out? (laughs) (laughs) What is your name? So he's on a fishing trip in Georgia. And he's on a hunting trip. And these hunting dogs that he was with had chased this wild swamp rabbit into the water. And it starts swimming towards this flat bottom boat that Jimmy Carter, as president, is on alone. Flat bottom boat. He thought he was safe. And this rabbit. girls. Big old rabbit is swimming and hissing at him, showing. I didn't know rabbits hissed, but apparently they. What is a swamp rabbit? A swamp rabbit. It's just a large, large rodent that swims and attacks presidents. And basically, he tried to. He was. He was totally sold that this rabbit was going to get in his boat because the rabbit was going berserk. He was fighting for his life. So he shooed him away with his canoe, but some, or with his paddle. With his paddle. But someone took a picture of it, and basically the media just had a heyday with it. Numerous editorial cartoons basically like, this is the guy that we're putting up against the Soviet <laughs> Union. A man who is shooing a, a swamp rabbit away with his canoe paddle. The Soviet so, Union, the swamp rabbit of the world. Yeah. I think it was actually a, K, a KGB operative. Yeah, how do we not know? How do we how not do we know? know? 
Yeah. Oh, man. Could have um, killed Kennedy. In uh, 79. In swamp rabbit. He killed Kennedy. <laughs> yeah. He did. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> you can't we rule it out. No. Uh, he ordered solar panels to be installed on the White House grounds in 79. I just, man, do you think, so wait, what year was that? 79. The rabbit was 79. Yeah, what people. year did Monty Python and the Holy Grail come out? 75. Oh, damn. Because yeah. I was really hoping. But but people made the connection because okay. it's only four years old at that point. I was really hoping that they got that idea from Jimmy Carter. <laughs> well, I mean, the holy hand grenade would definitely yeah. be <laughs> right in line with that. <laughs> that she, you that bunny? <laughs> So, yeah, he put uh, solar panels out on the White House grounds in 79 to basically demonstrate his commitment to How this. How long did they last? Crisis. Well, they lasted until 1986 when his successor, Reagan, uh, had them removed. A mere 11 days after Carter approved the development of the MX Intercontinental Ballistic Missile, he signed the second SALT Treaty, Strategic Arms Limitation Treaty, with the USSR. The Senate never ratified the treaty, although both nations voluntarily complied with its terms. July 1979, the same month he authorized the CIA's covert assistance of the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. The Muj. Uh, he comes out and talks about... <laughs> is that what you called him when you were over there? The Muj? We didn't really deal with the Muj, but yeah. Uh, well, the same month that Carter authorized the covert assistance by the CIA of the Muj in Afghanistan. Uh, that Speaking of the Muj, yeah, a couple years ago... During uh, was it an amuse bouche? Yeah, <laughs> during Black Lives Matter protests, we had a lot yes. of intelligence that there were other entities that were trying to like infiltrate and like start problems and make it seem like it was the Black Lives Matter protesters. Okay, and one of them was a group called the Boogaloo Boys, and oh, yeah. we started yeah, calling them the Booge, the Booge, because, because the of the Booge and the Booge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. Well, he makes this. <laughs> Thank you, Blaine. Yeah. The Mouge and the Mouge. Yeah. He makes this disastrous speech called the Crisis of Confidence. Do you remember this speech, Dan? Was this the Malays speech? The Malays yeah. speech, though he never yeah. said the word Malays. So people are waiting for him to address the country on, you know, what is your plan to fix this energy crisis that is affecting literally every American? And instead of laying out this huge framework and plan and addressing it very clearly, he kind of puts the blame on the American people for having a disrespect for their leaders and their government and having a lack of spirit. And three days later, five of his cabinet members resign. You know, everybody's just like, are you serious, man? Like, really? You're going to? Okay. All right. So it's called the crisis of confidence speech. His 42% approval rating dropped to 30% over the summer of 79, which was the lowest approval rating of any president in three decades. A day after his new approval rating was published in the Washington Post, the president collapsed in a 10K race, <laughs> yeah, leaving did. the press to depict the event as representative of his uh, strength uh, as president. Secret Service Dehydration. held him under his arms and carried him. They didn't carry him horizontally. One they set of just kind of hold him up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you say one set of footprints? That's when you carried me. <laughs> You had a great Footprints reference <laughs> yeah, in a past episode. Really early. Russ. It was in one of the first it was episodes. so great. <laughs> On October 17th, 1979, besides your wife, my mom, turning 28, mm -hmm. uh, Carter signed a bill establishing the Department of Education and appointed Judge Shirley Hoofstedler as its secretary. So you guys have joint parties for that every year? It's no, like, we don't celebrate it it's anymore. It's the birthday and Not Department anymore. of Education now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. My mom was a preschool teacher. This was October seventeenth, seventy three, seventy nine, seventy nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think so. I remember that we were in Germany. Yeah, no, we weren't. We were in Japan. You were in Japan. Yeah, we didn't make the translation. 
<laughs> All right, so we're getting into... It's because it came across horizontally instead of That's vertically. That's correct. So you yeah, yeah, and right correct. to left yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're getting into the Iranian hostage crisis, uh, which, I mean, that's one of the things <laughs> as, as my dad groans. By uh, far my favorite part of the episode. Oh, uh, uh, man. <laughs> this long, was how low can you go? The longest hostage situation in recorded history. Uh, Iranian students took 66 American diplomats and citizens hostage for 444 days at the American embassy in Tehran. The students were supporters of the Iranian revolution and took the hostages in protest of the U.S.'s harboring of the Shah, who was accused of numerous yep. violent crimes against Iranian citizens. Mm. This is flash-forwarding a little bit. This is when it started, but how it ended was uh, oh, there was the failed rescue mission known as Desert One, the death of the oh, Shah in Egypt, God. and Iraq's invasion of Iran beginning the Iran-Iraq war. Iran was eventually forced to negotiate a release, and the crisis ended on the last day of Carter's presidency. Literally, Why? Literal minutes. Because of Reagan. Yeah. Because it was Said, very we'll similar. Take, we'll take care of this if you don't. Yep, it was very similar to the Nixon and Vietnam peace discussions. Yep. If you remember, LBJ had peace discussions going with Vietnam, and they were about to get a like peace accord signed. And under behind the scenes, Nixon came in and said, "Don't do it," and then you know killed five hundred thousand more people in the war. And this Reagan they basically were just did, doing this to Carter. Yeah, yeah. they basically that did was the my same dad thing. flipping. At uh, no, yeah. just shoving it right yeah, up there, at, man. At no regard to the actual students that were held hostage yeah. at all. Yeah. Yep. You know, because was, you know, I want a big kid job. I want to, that that type of stuff burns me up. Yeah, this was. I mean, Dad, you remember this obviously the best out of any of us. I mean, I wasn't even alive, but this was you know on TV every you night. Right? Alive, I okay, trivia alive. question. Okay, what news commentator became famous? For the because of the Iranian was it Tom Brokaw. No, nope. was it a female? ABC, ABC at night, Nightline. Uh, Who was it? Woman. First name's Ted. Oh, Koppel. Ted Koppel. Ted Koppel. I thought it was day uh, two hundred and forty-seven of the Iranian hostage situation. Yes. That was his gig. Just counting it down. Just counting it, ever increasing. Yeah. Yep. Counting it. Ted Koppel. Nightline was a television show. Huh. Ted Koppel. Ted yep. Koppel. Owes it directly to this. Huh. Yep. Back go. when you had three channels. Yeah, TikTok, TikTok, every yeah. night. No, TikTok clock. wasn't invented. No, no, TikTok, TikTok wasn't yeah. around. Oh, excellent. <laughs> nice, guys. Very nice. But wasn't there things that were shredded in the embassy that then Iranian students like painstakingly oh, yeah. reassembled yeah. to get intelligence yeah. on yep. the Americas? Yeah. There's a lot going on around this wow. time, too. In in 80, Soviet just forces. humiliated Carter. This yeah. Iranian hostage, it just humiliated him. Well, he didn't negotiate the release, obviously, too. I mean, weren't there attempts to do it and it just failed? They knew that we were impotent. That, yeah. and, and Desert One didn't help. Yeah. It was it was a DOD clusterfuck. Yeah. In 80, while this is still going on, Soviet forces failed to heed Carter's mandate to pull their troops out of Afghanistan. And Carter committed to a pretty radical step. He boycotted the Olympics in Moscow. Uh, oh, the first yeah, time the nation... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was... a... God, he was such a useless person. <laughs> this is why the submarine has no torpedoes, okay? This is all part of the legacy. We're going to show the world we're going to boycott the Olympics. That'll impress him. Impotent. Why don't we just go ahead and put your groin in a vice and just cut it off? What a useless individual. Oh, gosh. This is what we were up against. That'll show them. Oh, yeah, the Russians, you know, they said, whoa, boy, are we screwed now. Yeah. As, as an athlete, I would have been pissed. Yeah. I mean, you've yeah. spent years and years. You're going to do what, Mr. President? Yeah. yeah. Like, and us not being there does what? Yeah. Yeah. yeah You're right. so otherwise useless. 
Well, anyway, uh, two months after the failed rescue attempt, Desert One, <laughs> Carter's approval rating reached twenty one percent, the lowest mark of any president since sh- since and, Truman's. And it was a real shot in the sh- short <laughs> for the DOD too, because this was just an absolute cluster. Yeah, Desert One, nothing oh, worked. Yeah. Nothing worked, and it was just, man, it was just depressing to be in the military. Why did it fail? Why did Desert One fail? Man, everything from lousy communication capability, frequencies didn't match, pieces of gear. It was a joint oh, exercise, yeah. okay. and nobody practiced going to war joint. No car? That was the biggest deal. There was no joint experience. So when People you do were right joint, up there, and they couldn't talk. So when you okay. do a joint exercise now, you do something called a car. A combined arms rehearsal. Okay. And so what you'll do is you'll have your sand tape. Well, we talked about this in yeah. like Eisenhower or something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so you have a, I've, and I've done lots of cars. You'll have your sand table and you'll have like, if you have folks from the Air Force that are flying the planes, they'll be there. You'll have your JTACs, the dudes that are talking to everybody in the air. You'll have, you know, your, your, your FET team. Yep. You'll have all of the different people and you walk through the mission. Bubba FET. You had, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You literally walk through the mission on a map using like little army people and trucks yeah. and stuff and yeah. walk through everything you think is going to happen. Okay. From one through five of the op order. Sure. But I, I wonder if, if some of the, the concepts behind the car came out of failures of, mm. of learn from it. Well, yeah, you better learn yeah. fast. But the, the idea that it didn't work as miserably as it did and sandstorms helicopter crashing into C-130. I mean, there was fixed-wing aircraft. It was just absolutely terrible. What is this? Sandstorm. Oh, bye. Uh, I don't know. Sandstorm? Okay. And, of course, this is further compounded. The, dance, dance the international embarrassment of the hostage sure. situation in the first place. Just exacerbated. And, and everybody over there just said, this is this is uh, Allah protecting us, you know? Okay. This yeah. is... Just goes to show that Inshallah. it shouldn't be happening. Got it. Well, oh, it speaking terrible. of international embarrassments, go ahead, Blaine. Jimmy had a brother named Billy. Oh, <laughs> oh, there we go. Right. And Billy really liked to capitalize on the Carter name. So yeah, much he so, did. he created a thing called Billy Beer. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Billy Beer, he marketed it. Uh, he, he was a raging alcoholic. He drank about a half a gallon of vodka a day. Eventually, he was investigated for potentially dealing arms and drugs to Libya. <laughs> Yeah, he was close with the Libyans. <laughs> While his brother makes, was president. Makes Hunter Biden seem like a cakewalk. Yeah, he was, yeah, like oh. Back to the Future with the Libyans. Yeah, yeah, Isn't exactly. the Libyans? Yeah, it was the Libyans. I bet you that's Again. a Billy Carter Art reference. imitating life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. He owned yeah. a gas station too, right? Oh, yeah, he had a sure gas did. station. It was yeah. in Planes? I think it was. Was it in Planes or was it an Archer? Archer. Let's go with Archer. It was one of the two. It was one book. of the two places that he grew up in. Yeah, yeah but yeah, Billy was a. There's a. There's a really good dollop about Billy Carter. It's, okay. Yeah. Which you know, it's crazy. You're horrible. Like it was yeah. apparently just like kerosene, right? So, <laughs> picture the next morning in the White House. Did, have briefing. you ever had Billy your brother, beer? Your brother's driving is crazy. What's he? <laughs> He's Holy beer! It's Have you ever had Billy beer? No, that's disappointing. It was Probably rated mule piss. <laughs> Pe- peanut flavored. It was rated one of the worst beers of all time. Oh wow! <laughs> like worse than like Milwaukee's Light? best worse ice. Worse than Natty Light. <laughs> yeah, his approval rating is twenty one percent. This was interesting. Truman left off. He started office with eighty seven percent approval rating. Left office at twenty three. Carter is still in office, and it's twenty one percent now. Yeah. And, of course, Reagan is using the economic problems. Uh, inflation was 10%, sometimes larger, and interest rates were up to 18 19%. Good. Used the hostage crisis to basically portray Carter as a, as a weak leader who did not deserve to get reelected. 
And he ended up losing, uh, like his predecessor Ford did, in a landslide loss to Reagan. He only won 49 electoral votes to Reagan's 489. Crazy story. Go ahead. We came back from Japan in November of 80, and we bought a house in Santee, and the interest rate was 16%. Gosh. On a house. 16%. In 1980, we said, what is going on? And it was a VA assumable loan. It went up to 18. And somebody said, I got a deal. I got a 16% mortgage because it was assumable. Gosh. Just to tell you percentage rates. I think our mortgage rate currently is like 3.25, maybe. Imagine 16%. There was a man during the campaign Uh between him and Reagan named John Hinckley. John Hinckley fell in love with Jodie Foster Uh and decided that he was going to kill Jimmy Carter to impress her. But when he saw the polls, he realized it was a better idea to try to kill Ronald Reagan. I didn't know that side of the story. That's the man that is the, like, her muse, essentially, for Silence of the Lambs. Okay. Because he was, like, he was obsessed with her and he would write her letters and he would tell her he was going to kill the president for her and stuff like that. So she had that type of, like, background to be able to gather from yeah. when she was getting ready for her role in Silence wow. of the Lambs. Wow. Huh. Wow. I didn't know that he was going after Carter first. That's crazy. Yeah, we got to take a break. Yeah. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about his post-presidency, his legacy, and little-known facts. And now you're going to hear from one of our fantastic sponsors. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Ryan. If you need custom-made t-shirts for your team or organization, look no further than our good friends here in Indy, The Art Press. The Art Press is a local, eco-friendly small business that's been around for years here in Indy, designing and printing all the super comfortable shirts you may have seen through their parent company's store, Vardigan. We've worked with them on our awesome new shirts that feature Thomas Jefferson writing a fire-breathing mastodon, and our experience couldn't have gone better. If you need help creating a design or you have your artwork ready to print, Derek and the team at The Art Press can help you get your orders set up online quickly and easily. Plus, they ship everywhere and offer excellent customer service. Get a quote on your order of shirts today at theartpress.com. That's theartpress.com. Welcome back. All right. Now Carter is not president anymore. Although, thank God. <laughs> what was that, Dad? I said, thank God. <laughs> if you... Tell us how I don't really feel. Okay. I haven't figured out yet what you think about Jimmy Carter. <laughs> a, Positive or negative? <laughs> All right. Just rest my case. So let's talk about this. So I he, feel like you feel about Jimmy Carter how I feel about Ronald Reagan. Back to back. Strong, you mean? Yes. Okay. Yeah, good. Let's have strong feelings. There you That's go. A, let's. He goes in to do a lot of humanitarian work. Uh, he earns the Nobel Peace Prize in twenty or 2002, rather. He is working for Habitat for Humanity. He's going over to North Korea on peace missions. He's uh, writing unasked. books. Hold on. Hold unasked. on. <laughs> yeah, let's dive into that. He was not asked to go to North Korea on a peace mission. Well, do you know in, why? In fact, because he didn't support Bill Clinton for governor back when Bill Clinton was running for governor of Arkansas, and he held that grudge his whole life. Do you know why he didn't support him being governor for Arkansas? Nope. I don't remember. He... he called the whole morality question into play even before Lewinsky oh, and anything Trip. like that. Yeah. And so he actually, the, the Carters were snubbed at Clinton's inauguration ceremony, even though he was the first Democrat look, elected in 12 wow. years. If you look Clinton at pictures yeah. of past presidents when they're all together, yeah, like even now, it'll yep. be Bush, Clinton, Bush, Obama, and then Carter will be like yeah. 
visibly distant yes. from them when they take the picture. Yes. They'll all have their arms around really? each other, and then yep. there'll be like a foot or two in Carter standing right. off to the side. Yeah, really? so he yeah. was, you know, there's kind of this unwritten rule about not criticizing I think there's one in this book. your successors when you're president. And Carter uh, did this a lot. He was not shy at all about criticizing Clinton. He actually, he didn't criticize Reagan because he thought it was going to be way too soon. And it wasn't going to help the nation at all. And uh, yeah, Blaine's showing the picture here. You can look it up where he's visibly about two, three feet away from the rest of them who are being super chummy. And he looks like... sword, Mr. President. Like they're literally all like talking to each other and smiling. And he's a solid foot and a half off President Clinton just looking at the camera. And it's not like he's got a lot to stand on with his administration. You know, like he's over there saying, you know, I I boycotted the Olympics. What did you do? (laughs) Uh, He criticized W uh, in his decision to go to Iraq. He publicly said Obama blew it uh, and using drones and keeping Guantanamo open. And finally for Trump, the first chunk of Trump's administration, he was actually pretty cordial about Trump. But then when he, yeah, I know it's surprising, right? But then when he came up for re-election, he said, quote, I think it will be a disaster to have four more years of Trump. So he basically for every one of his successors, save Reagan, he was very vocal about what he thought they could do a lot better. He said that the thing that hurt him the most of everything after losing to Reagan was that Jerry Falwell said, now we have a real Christian in the White House, Mm. which is a stretch for Ronald Reagan. And I will say for anything that negative policy-wise, it does seem like he was a pretty devout Christian. He was a Sunday school teacher. Still is. Yeah. And it does seem like that wasn't like a fake thing like we've seen with some politicians yeah. like using that as a as a means to get elected that it's very genuine so I, I would imagine that would hurt although I don't know that I would ever really care what Jerry Falwell thought about anything hmm. but not exactly a kingmaker right <laughs> yeah his yeah. son's doing great though mm-hmm. that's really great <laughs> uh, around 2019 several years ago a handful of years ago he's constantly falling he had like three falls in 19 he there's a famous picture of him of with tons of stitches above that his was, eyebrow that was why we all, it was the one of the falls I was it was yeah. 2019 when yes. I was in Georgia okay oh god yeah. yeah the he's Carter a, Center uh-huh do you know where it's at uh, I don't the same piece of land William Tecumseh Sherman stood while he watched Atlanta burn to the ground. Wow, really? Wow. Hell yeah. Blaine <laughs> Blaine has a, a, a picture of Grizzly. Like, he has seen some things, Sherman. Come, come to my office, Hill. The first thing you see is a picture of William Tecumseh Sherman on my desk facing out. Facing the guest. <laughs> yeah. Next to also, what, what, what's the other picture? Or it's Tony our, Hinkle. Tony Hinkle, yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, on October 1st, 2019, Blaine, how old were you turning on in October 1st, 2019? How old am I now? Uh, that 34? Was three 34? 34. So Carter celebrated his 95th birthday on that date, became the oldest living former U.S. president in history, a title once held by H.W. Bush, who died at 94. Carter and his wife, Rosalind, are also the longest married president and first lady couple, having been married for more than 73 years. Uh, this is the first president we've had it, it, on this podcast that we're still talking about who is alive. And so around this time, normally well, we talk about the funeral, the world. eulogy, all that. Yeah. Uh, he's arranged to be buried at his home in Plains after a funeral in D.C. and a visitation at the Carter Center in Atlanta's Freedom Park. <clears throat> and it's definitely pronounced Rosalind, not Rosalind. Yeah, was it her bakery it's, it's here in Indy? Huh? Was it her bakery here Might in Indy? Been. Might have been. I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was Rosalind, but it's Rosalind. Yeah. Man. I know. All right. All right, let's I actually talk about I had that note too because it says in the book pronounced Rose Lynn. Mm-hmm. Rose Lynn, yeah. 
Uh, let's talk about his legacy. I think we have. Yeah. Peacekeeping, humanitarian efforts, not a great president as far as it's widely concerned. He's usually typically seen as like a better man, like the fabric of the like man than said. he is yeah. a president. And I think that that's fair. Yeah. Would you say that's fair, El? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think... According to C-SPAN's Presidential Historian Survey that we uh, look at and don't necessarily ascribe to, but it's a fun gauge to look at, he currently sits at number 26 below Grover Cleveland and above James Garfield. Let's finish this sentence. Jimmy Carter is the reason the United States of America. Russ? Billy Beer. Okay, has Billy Beer. Blaine? Oh, Alan Jackson. Alan Jackson. <laughs> the Chattahoochee. <laughs> uh, I'll, go, I'll go somewhat serious. It has the Departments of Energy and Education. Oh, yeah. Dad, what about you? Emboldened. Young people in the Middle East to hate America. Oh, mm. oh. wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about little known facts. One of our favorite points here. He saw a UFO and he reported it. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> prior to taking office, he filed a report with the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. In 1969, he wrote that he spotted a strange aircraft in the sky in Georgia. It appeared to hover 30 degrees above the horizon before disappearing suddenly. And he promised to release every sealed document the government had collected about UFOs if elected, but he later walked back on that promise. Yeah, because the CAA was like, no, we're not. No, we're not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're, we're not going to do that. He averaged a couple movies a week while he was in office watching them. He totaled more than 400 movies by the time he left the White House. He even screened, uh, before it was in theaters, Star Wars with Egyptian President Anwar Sadat at the White House. Maybe featuring, that's featuring? Featuring. He was Chewbacca. <laughs> featuring Sadat was Chewbacca. Anwar Sadat. Actually, yeah. the, the Wookiee language is actually ancient Egyptian. <laughs> you said with Anwar Sadat. You know. Yeah. Anwar yeah. Sadat was no, actually I the understood first exactly Han Solo. What I, was saying. No, I, the, I had no idea. Maybe Taxi that's driver. why he really boycotted the Olympics is because he was like, well, how am I going to watch movies? I, I got to watch all these people. I gotta, yeah, I got to watch these. Was movies. one of them Taxi Driver? I don't know. There's Jody Foster, list. nice linkage to John Well, Hinkley. that's the reason, right? Because he saw oh, Jodie Foster yeah. in Taxi, and Taxi Driver, driver. Yeah. which was, you know, yeah. Academy Award winner. So Academy. I imagine he saw it. He was buddies so, with Elvis. He actually spoke to Elvis a handful of, of days before Elvis's death. Oh. Yeah. yeah. He made 12 international trips as president to 25 countries, and he was the first president to make a state visit to sub-Saharan Africa when he went to Nigeria in 78. Mm. Dad, the U.S. Navy in 1998 named the third and last Seawolf class. class sub. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh. You, they had right. it. you knew that very well. Yeah. Naming it the, the uh, Jimmy Carter. USS Jimmy Carter. It became one of the few <laughs> Navy vessels to be, named, <laughs> to be named for a person living at the time of That's Navy. That's right. Um, yep. Hold on. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> so Elvis and Jimmy Carter, they definitely talked about pulling people over out of nowhere, oh, right? Yeah, they they like, did that. Well, that at that point, Elvis and was they, a deputy. They probably yeah. talked about UFOs as well. Oh, yeah. He was not a deputy. <laughs> not a real one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm saying, didn't wow. Nixon find he a badge? Like, I got this like, uh, yeah. rhinestone pistol. <laughs> Here, uh, take this dolphin badge I found. Here you go. Take that. <laughs> yeah. He was like, I heard you uh, swim with the dolphins. Hey, oh, 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 oh. Hey, you want to see my gun? <laughs> yeah. He was on so much LSD at that point. Like, just all the barbiturates possible. He probably thought he was still Richard Dixon. Yeah. Mr. Nixon. Had hey, 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 Mr. President, you're looking a little different. Take your card to get off. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love some boiled peanuts. All right. Uh, the same year he was awarded, uh, so this is what, 1998, Carter was awarded the Hoover Medal, named after Herbert Hoover, which recognizes engineers who have contributed to global causes. Guess who was the first recipient of it? Herbert, Herbert Hoover. Hoover. He's written 30 books, and he won three Grammys. Oh, one of them had a weird sex scene in it. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got a whole page devoted to it? Uh, he wrote multiple books post-presidency yes. to include a book about being happy in middle age with Rosalind, a children's book, and Hornet's Nest, a fictional novel about the Revolutionary War in the South that included an awkward sex scene. <sighs> wow. So That's... Jimmy Carter wrote a book about the Revolutionary War in the South. Yes. And at some point, I I want to know. Wow, yeah. I, feel I like want to read those read words. It. I want to read those read words it for us. Russell. Hornet's Nest. He's, he's a Grammy winner, though. He won them for the audio recordings of three of his books. Last little known fact that I had exactly to the day, forty years to the day after his own inauguration, Carter attended President Trump's inauguration, becoming the first president to mark the fortieth anniversary of his own inauguration. So hmm. this guy endurance, is, endurance, yeah, longevity. Well, thank you for listening to episode 39, The Volunteer. I love that name, Blake. Good job. Thank you. the name. That was great. I'd like to think all of them are good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our next episode on 40th President Ronald Reagan will be released on <sighs> Wednesday. That was, my, that was my L. Allward impression. Boy, you know? <laughs> on Wednesday, <laughs> August 3rd, 2022. But you can get it early and ad-free by joining our Patreon community at patreon.com slash presequential for just 5 to 10 bucks a month. You get all kinds of bonus content and get those episodes early and ad-free. Hey, thanks for listening. We have a great time. We'll see you next time. <laughs>